Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis, oh yeah. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome to Talk Money, where we talk about everything financial and KWAM. Of course, we appreciate you being here. On today's program, here's what we got going on. Working with a financial advisor should be should be an enjoyable experience. It should not be adversarial. It should not be uncomfortable. You should look forward to talking to your advisor. Well, Jason's here. Jason Harrington is here to help us understand questions that you might want to ask when choosing that person to advise you financially so that that becomes a good experience. Also, many people struggle understanding what to do to achieve your financial dreams and goals. Knowing what to do is as important as knowing what not to do. When it comes to investing, and that's critical. Let me say that to knowing what to do is more important than knowing what not to do. Well, that could we could argue that back and forth. Well, Drew Johnson's going to help us, and he's going to share from his experience of what makes mistakes to not make when investing or managing your portfolio. I've been asked a question here recently a lot. In fact, I was doing a seminar not too long ago speaking to a group of people, and this question came up. It says, what about the trade protectionism that Mr. Trump is leading the way through? Well, it's been his mandate for over 30 years, so don't be surprised. Is it risky or not? In my view, trade-related protectionism, well, probably represents a significant threat to the global economy. We just have to understand that. You must understand also that trade barriers effectively act as a tax that separates the producer of goods from you, the consumer, and that may interrupt some economic growth. Just to understand that, at this point, I would say it is still uncertain. We're all the saber-rattling between the U.S. and China. Will it turn into an all-out trade war? My best guess, probably not. But from an investment perspective, you, you use caution and don't get too caught up in what the news media is saying to you. In fact, just pay attention. Everyone does not need to overreact. Remember, always keep your politics out of your investments. From our Did You Know files, more about tariffs. The Alliance of Automobile Manufacturers reported last week that the proposed U.S. tariff on car imports will add an additional $5,800 to the price of an imported foreign vehicle. So you may pay a little bit more for that, uh, I won't say Mercedes or whatever you might be buying, but one of those foreign-made cars. The Office of Management and Budget, the OMB, has reported that the total debt of the United States is projected to reach $21.5 trillion by the end of this fiscal year. End of the fiscal year is September the 30th. That's equal to 107% of the size of the U.S. economy. That's the highest level of debt relative to the size of our economy since 1947. If you're retired or thinking about retiring in the next couple of years, be prepared for this. From the research company of Webb and Saverin, the average American household, even after the benefit of Medicare coverage, spends approximately $197,000 in out-of-pocket health care costs during retirement. That figure does not include related any costs relating to nursing home care. Here's a statistic that I find extremely interesting. It's for one of our ladies in the office who recently announced that she 
was going to have a baby. So if you happen to have recently found out that you're pregnant and the baby is expected to be born in the next, you know, you know, the next year, the next 2019, and she happens to be a baby girl, it is anticipated her life expectancy is 81.3 years. So living in the United States, she could anticipate living until the year 2100, the turn of the century. That's impressive. You know, next year, a baby born anticipated to live to the next turn of the century. If you have questions for me or my guest who would like to ask them, have them answered on Talk Money, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program or podcast of today's program or past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Coming up, Jason Harrington and when do you need an advisor? Drew Johnson, mistakes to not make in today's investment environment, mistakes that could hinder your achieving your financial dreams and goals. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker, Jason Harrington, and Drew Johnson are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome to the program. We are very uh, pleased to have with us two guests today that are going to talk about some very important reasons to not only how do you contact your advisor, but questions that you want to ask your advisor and also some ideas about what not to do when you're investing. Now, this program is going to go through the whole hour. I have fortunately, these two guys are very, very sharp individuals and keep us uh, it will keep us entertained and be very interesting when we talk with them, because the subject matter is coming from questions that you guys have asked us. And I think the, the key to this, when you do a program like this, we talk about trying to put something together that helps you understand what you're looking for. When when do you ask an advisor a question? How do you ask the advisor? How do you choose an advisor? Those are things that are extremely difficult. And a lot of people get frozen and they don't do anything because they don't feel comfortable. And I, I know that because you ask the questions and I've had people who have told me that over the years. So I want to introduce, first of all, Drew Johnson. He is with our Shoemaker Financial, of course, and he is their managing director. Um, he is the director right now. He's acting director of our investment committee. And Jason Harrington, who is a managing director of Shoemaker Financial. Guys, welcome to the program. Good to be here. Good to be here, John. Thank you. Uh, let's start with you, Jason. When we talk about uh, in you know working with an advisor, working with an advisor should be should be. Notice I said that an enjoyable experience. It should never be adversarial or uncomfortable. Uh, to our listener, they should always look forward to spending some time with them with an advisor, and you, you shouldn't be dreading it or you know be nervous about it. And yet we have people that literally say. I get, I, you know, I get all the tense, uh, you know, I'm, I'm concerned. I mean, uh, and I, some people say because we talk in a language sometimes that people don't understand. But if you were going to choose your advisor, what would you start with telling someone? To, how would they, how would they be looking at that from the standpoint of just thinking through that process? Just, just, just one thought there from that standpoint. I think, you know, one of the things I gauge when I'm walking around the office is how our advisors are interacting with clients. When I see laughter and when I see, you know, kids 
participating in meetings and things like that. I think when you walk into you talking about the nursery, no, yeah, our nursery, <laughs> yeah. Nursery. When we when we see uh, you know the babies being a part of the meetings sure. and balls bouncing down the hallway, it's 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 that I I use that as a good test of of what kind of relationships are being built in 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 our office and within our walls. And I think when you're looking to select an advisor, one of the very first things you should gauge as a client is you know how do I feel. When I walk in the door, is the is the welcome good? You know, do I feel comfortable? Do I feel like this is an environment where I can open up a little bit and share a little bit about myself? Because the ability to share important information, even sometimes personal and and maybe sensitive or tender issues, are uh, having an environment where you're comfortable to do that is very important. So it should be both fun and uh, profitable for the individual. This Absolutely. should be an enjoyable experience. It, 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 we talk about a lasting relationship, and that's really important. I mean, uh, you don't do this just for a couple of times, and then you're looking for somebody who's going to guide and help and develop over a long period of time. Absolutely. If you look at the, the lifeline of, uh, of a client, or if you look at just, just your life today, compared to the amount of time you have to live, hopefully that is a long line. Uh, the amount of financial decisions that are being made across that lifeline are innumerable, and it, it, life doesn't happen in a straight line. True. Do you find that, Jimmy, you don't spend as much time, obviously, with the client, but I know you spend a lot of time with the advisors who are working with clients. Do you find that you sense that they're also interested in that relationship? Oh, yes, very much so. Uh, I I, I found that they really go the extra mile to dig down deep and understand what's really important to uh, their clients, not just from a financial perspective, but what they're trying to achieve in their lives as a whole. Okay, well, that that's critical. So let's start with this. Reasons to talk with an advisor, Jason. That's kind of what we've been asked to do is what, what are some reasons? Because I can think of a lot of people that think, well, okay, I, I'm about to do this. Do I need to talk to an advisor? And sometimes it is a personal thing. Some people just need to know that they have that person they can go to. But give us some what you've seen in your practice and also in the firm. What are some reasons that a person ought to consider talking to an advisor? Well, I think one of the there are a lot of what we call triggering events, things that in life that just may present an opportunity or it may present a risk uh, in their overall financial situation. Uh, there's a, a whole myriad of those. One that comes to mind right off the top of my head is a change in in health uh, of, of of a major of a family member, whether it be a, a parent. Uh, like uh, my parents, if their health change and there may be a financial obligation there for me or they may have some changes in their financial situation that we need to take a look at or my health changes or my wife's health, health changes uh, or our children's health changes. Anytime you see a major health change, you want to look, uh, get a get a call into your advisor and see what how does that impact your spending structure? How does that impact your savings decisions? What new expenses might arise because of that? Uh, and how does this affect my overall long term goal? We, we talked about that. That one hundred ninety seven thousand dollars would be spent, according to some research that we found that uh, basically that people in retirement is going to spend about two hundred thousand dollars. In non in, in health related out of pocket expenses, not using that's not counting Medicare that's yeah. going to be paid. So so they have to think about that health changes as being one of the biggest issues they and have. That's an, that's an astonishing oh, statistic, is. and a lot of people we see do when they're building their retirement 
plans, they're building it based off of what am I spending today and taking some percentage of what I'm spending today and do I have that available for me in retirement? They're not taking that next layer of thought or what are some new expenses that I don't have today that I might have in the future? Well, you talked about retirement. I guess if I'm thinking about retirement, is that a triggering event? Now, now let me ask this, I guess. If I'm thinking about retirement, when do I think about retirement? Well, yeah, if, if, if is retirement a triggering event? Absolutely, it is a trigger. If you're thinking about retirement, you're probably behind that you're probably behind the eight ball a little bit you know if if you're already if you're close to retirement and thinking about it uh you certainly do need to sit down and talk to your advisor and make sure that the things you've been doing uh are going to produce what you hoped that they would produce but when should you think about retirement if you could if you if we could get a young post grad who's coming right into their first job to start thinking about retirement uh, that's when you need to start thinking about you, you it you know i guess the reason why we see that as being one of the biggest issues for a lot of people most of us and again looking at myself thought about retirement probably around 45 or 50 but we just thought about it Sure. But now when you get to be 50, 55, 60, you're really thinking more about it. And then because you really are knowing there is going to be this date out there that you are going to retire. But here's here's where I see a lot of people struggling. It's one of those things that you're going to do it. You're going to do it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to dive into it. I'm going to figure it out. And that's what you're talking about. If you could get the postgraduate to start at least putting plans in place. And then staying focused with it. Yeah, making that making that early decision to do. Uh, I heard this in my early in my career from one of our uh, longtime advisors at Shoemaker. Told me if if you can get the young person to start doing something versus doing nothing, uh, then you're making good progress. But J- Jim, you're you're uh, in the same boat that a lot of folks have been in when you were in your 40s and in your young 30s. Um, you were where I am, where 90% of my financial plan was focused on three people. Yeah. And, and and it wasn't Allison or myself. Right. You know, and yeah. you, you raised two daughters and your financial plan and many of our listeners out there are in the same boat where a lot of their attention is on providing for their children and getting them to college. And, and so our own retirement plans get postponed or get push to the back of the mind because we have some more what feels like immediate tensions on that makes a lot of sense jason let me ask you this now if we were going to say all right i am going to retire i'm going to lay out date 15 years from now give me some things that you would say to me that i need i know one of them obviously is my 401k plan obviously my investment portfolio but what are other things that i should look at as far as things that I should think about if I am going to retire in the next 15 years? If, I think, obviously, the first, very first thing that we get folks to uh, get folks to talk about is uh, trying to figure out what is that date. I got it. You know, pick that date. And then secondly, to figure out what do they need uh, in retirement. But I would also look at do I have provisions for? Am I going to be in a long in a need for health, uh, long term care need? Am I going to have a long term care need where I may end up in a in a nursing home or 
needing a, a nurse to come into my home? Is that taken care of? Uh, what is my lifestyle going to look like? And lifestyle is hard to define for people because most of the time when we hear people talk about retirement, and I'm sure you've heard this over your career, they say uh, the most common answer we get when you ask someone, what do you want your retirement to look like? They say, I want a comfortable retirement. And our job as advisors and and for our listeners out there, if they're talking to their advisor, is to really try to unwind what does comfort look like? You know, what does that mean? What do you mean by I want a comfortable lifestyle? How much money do you need? What do you want to travel? Do you want to see grandkids? Do you want to stay in your same home or or relocate? Uh, Social Security. Those are big decisions. When do I take Social Security? Do I take it early? Do I to uh, postpone it as long as I can. Uh, that's an income stream that's going to be promised to people uh, and how that fits into their overall plan. Those are just a few things that you look at. And there, there are many, many more uh, looking at your debt structure. Uh, what kind of debt am I going to carry into retirement? Can I pay off any debt prior to retirement? Uh, all of those things are, are important when you're looking at planning for retirement. All right. So, so we're talking about, you said a, a change in a person's life. Uh, it could be uh, health-wise. You mentioned health. You also, I mean, I'm thinking of mentioning earlier the baby that's being born next year. That's a change in a person's life. Anything that's going on like that, seek out advice. Uh, get to know an advisor. If I'm thinking about retirement, I'm out there somewhere. Get to know an advisor. Get so that you know the questions and that you're getting answers. And you said, and I think it's so important, this should be a good relationship, not something you dread, not something you fear. Uh, it should be a language that you understand and not one of that's that's another third you know world language that someone's sure. using. And so it should be a good experience. A relationship is built, and that's the key right there. And so. not something that is done once in a blue moon. Right. Uh, there should be regular conversation with your financial advisor. All right, here's the question then. And Drew, I'm going to ask you the first right off the top. Here's the thought. How will you how will you make this, some decisions or what are some of the things that you would say to someone about selecting that advisor? I mean, you get to stand aside not having to deal with clients and you deal with us, the advisors, what would you tell somebody? They walk into your office, you're the guy that handles the investments in the office, and they're saying, okay, I want to know who should I talk to, how should I act, what is the, what type of question should I ask? What's the first one you'd tell them? Well, the first thing you would want to know is how that advisor gets paid. Uh, you've got two basic ways. One would be on a commission basis, and that's where you're paying that advisor for each transaction that you uh, have in an account. Uh, the other way would be on a on a fee basis, uh, where you're being charged uh, on a, at regular intervals, monthly or quarterly, typically quarterly, uh, for advice on your account. So either way, fee based or commission, you would tell them to make a decision which one they prefer, and then go from there. That makes sense. That's right. So, Jason, would you say then from that structure that Drew's introduced, fee-based and commission, what's the next thing that you you would want them to say, okay, go and ask this question? I would ask, if I'm looking for an advisor, I would want to know what what standard are you operating under? And and, and in our business, yeah, in our business, we have certain standards, two basic standards that an advisor would work on. One would be termed uh, fiduciary and the other would be termed uh, working around suitability. Uh, and I know that's a, those are big words, so let me define yeah. those uh, for our listeners out there. Uh, fiduciary is uh, they must a fiduciary advisor must act in the client's best interest, 
And in order to do so, there's a, a much deeper level of conversation, a much more personalized design to that. Suitability advisors are really looking more placing a client in a in a box of standards that says are they 65 years old are they you know do they make a certain amount of money and the personalization of it it goes away a little more transactional uh, and not as much depth that goes into that uh, recommendation. Neither is right or wrong it's just you have to say okay if it's a fiduciary that's a long term relationship suitable saying that the at the time that the transaction the investor is suitable for what you're recommending. Correct. Both are both are used widely across the United States. Um, I think it just depends on the the preference of the of the person coming in. I I do think that I want people to understand though we function in our firm as a, we look not at suitability but as a fiduciary, and we do think of the idea behind the fact that we look at the transaction as a long term relationship and what is as you said the best interest of the client at all times at all times so we don't do something today we're still wanting to make sure that two years from now 20 years from now it was the right decision and we keep working with them from that standpoint and there is a difference there is a uh, i think an obligation difference that we hold ourselves out as being something that is a fiduciary and a relationship and that's that's key Absolutely. From that standpoint. So, all right, Drew, I want you to talk about it for me real quick. Uh, then we got to take a break. But when you, again, I'm leaning on Drew because he's in that chair. He's sitting there doing the investments and everything. So what about investment philosophy of this advisor? Well, you want to understand uh, what the advisor is doing, how they, how they put together portfolios, how they assess your risk in order to construct those portfolios, uh, you're going to want them to be very detailed with you and how they determine what risk you can tolerate and what goals that you're trying to achieve with your investments. All right. So you're talking about knowing the person's philosophy of what they do, how they make buy-sell decisions and things. Now, in our office, we know that you look at that from the global side and you look at everything that we do from what we're trying to work with overall. And then you work with the advisor to customize what they're trying to do for the client. That's right. Okay, that's critical for us to understand that because what we're asking now is questions that you would ask if you were about to hire an advisor. You want the relationship. Jason, you talked about that earlier. If I've got a decision that I have to make, I'm having a baby, I've got health care change in my life, I've have, you know, I've changed my marriage, whatever's going on, I may need an advisor. Uh, I'm going to retire in the next 15 to 20 years. I need to think about that. What are the things I need to put together? So you have to think that I've got to ask some tough questions. And boy, you guys stepped out pretty quick. You know, how do you get paid? That's a that's an upfront question. That's a, you know you just step right into the person's office. How do you get paid? And again, that's not a bad question to ask. And it doesn't say one fee based, one's commission, one's right or wrong. It just you know upfront what's going on. All right. When we come back, we're going to find out exactly what it means when we say, "What's your typical client?" What does that mean? Well, stay with us because I got Jason Harrington and Drew Johnson, and we're going to talk very specifically. How do you choose an advisor? What are questions you should be asking? And then we're going to find out what mistakes you should not make. (laughs) Stay with us. This is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. 
Financial advisors do not provide tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. Individuals should always consult their tax or legal professionals regarding their own specific situation. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. You know, some people struggle understanding what to do to achieve their financial dreams and goals. Well, Jason Harrington is helping us understand the questions to ask an advisor when you're trying to choose an advisor. And Drew Johnson is telling us uh, what not to do is as important as knowing what to do when you're investing. Well, bottom line is it's all about helping you achieve your financial dreams and goals. And these guys are very good at giving us advice to guide us, to help us understand the first part of we talking about in the program we kind of went into when do you look to go to an advisor and some people some people start out early you know some people maybe your dad or your mom said hey i want you to talk to this guy that's great or maybe you've at that point where you just kept putting it off and thinking ah just i don't need an advisor i can't afford an advisor and I, I understand that. I think that happens to a lot of people. Then all of a sudden, you've got to make some big decisions. You've had something, maybe a health care change, maybe a new birth or a marriage change or death in the family or something. And all of, Or maybe you're approaching retirement, you're 15, 20 years out, and you're thinking about it, and you've got to make that decision, and it's tough. And what do you ask? Well, we've been going through some tough questions, I think, that every advisor should be able it should be able to answer and you the person looking for someone the person needing someone should be able to ask the first question we talked about is how do you make money with my relationship how do you make money that I do we talked about fee based or commission we talked about being a fiduciary or working from suitability we talked about investment philosophy how do you and, and Drew was very clear with that saying you know you got to understand how do you help a person understand their risk and boy, that is so important because I think if a person doesn't know and understand the risk of the client, then you can literally create a, a portfolio that doesn't work. And that's why you, the, the client, need to be very specific about how much risk are you willing to take. Now, before we took the break, Jason, and I mentioned the comment, what's the person's typical client? Now, my idea is that if I'm working with left-handed pitchers, and that's all I work with. I'm a great, great advisor and coach with left-handed pitchers. And all of a sudden, in walks a third baseman. I mean, he's great. I'm really, I, hey, he's a ball player. I can, I can work with ball players, but I'm better with left-handed pitchers. Do I disclose to him that I am really a really good left-handed pitcher coach? Or I tell him, hey, come on in. I'll take anybody. What are your thoughts? I, I think that's a great analogy. When you, when if you're, if I'm a client I was looking, a, I was a left-handed pitcher. Oh, okay. Well, see, you you wouldn't be able to. I wasn't an athlete, so I tell people I was. But you probably could have done wonders uh, with me. Kidding, just kidding. Uh, but I think that's a great question for clients to ask uh, when they're working with them. Tell me a little bit about who you work with. You know, because financial planning is so personalized, you want to make sure that the advisor you're working with has some experience with the type of person you are. If uh, if my advisor works primarily with, you know, 70 year old folks and I come in, which is great for him. And watch, watch, I, I know I, I was trying to pick the right age. Watch that, that microphone would. for me, Greg, if you could, if you don't mind. Just, just pay attention. Because you're all, gonna, you're always dangerous that. when you go. I mean, I, I didn't know the right hey, age to pay. Well, let's I just say 70 years old, sure. hypothetically, hypothetically, you know, good job. Uh, that 
And I walk in as a 45-year-old, you know, uh, 44-year-old, excuse me, a 44-year-old, um, you know, kids about to go to college and, you know, we're about to be in that stage of life. Can Does this advisor have the experience? Has he seen what I'm going through? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you are an advisor, if you're a, uh, we have a lot of advisors that specialize in working with physicians and are working with business owners. If you're a business owner out there, then you need to make sure that the client, the the advisor that you're working with has some experience and some substantial experience to to know what you're going to bring to the table. I think that's so critical. Drew, one of the things that I know a lot of the advisors talk about is you. I mean, they when, I, when if I was a you know looking to a client potential client, and I'm asking them who's on your team, they mention Drew Johnson because you are a part of their team. So is it important for the client to understand who's on the team and to understand the the significance of that team? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you're if you are the the potential client looking to hire an advisor, uh, you should ask how long. Their team has been with them. <clears throat> you should ask what their experience is uh, because you're going to want to know that they're being backed up by people who have experience solving the kinds of problems that that particular client has. You know, we don't think about that as being a, a big issue, but that is a big issue. I mean, you think through that process. When you look at that, that becomes all of a sudden if you're saying, well, I can't handle that, then you got to go find another advisor. And uh, recently I was talking to a group, this large group of people, and I, was, and I really just don't know why I started this, but I was focused in on the team, the group, and I was talking about the team and other things we do. And I, there was, I don't know, 30 people in the room, and, and then the process was husband and wives and some singles and whatever. But I was, I was focused on the group. And just for some reason I realized, wait a second, I need to talk to the widows. Well, there were no widows. But the reality was I'd said to them, Every one of you at some point probably will be a widow. Your husband, as we know, mortality-wise, will pass away before you do. So when you're selecting an advisor, husbands, because they have a tendency to do that themselves, and they say, this is our guy, and she had nothing to do with that. We know that. We see that all the time. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking through that process that, wait a second, ladies, you need to make sure when they're being chosen that you really do like the person Absolutely. because that's going to be probably who you're going to work with when the person, your, your, the husband passes away. And that's just reality. We just, I mean, it's not bad to say that it's just reality. And if you've got somebody, you've got to break in new at that age, 75 or 80, that's tough. It's very tough. We, we tell all of our clients, uh, you know, it is not unlikely to have, and we say, the male, uh, the male would be the decider of that deal, but it's not always that way. But when it when we have one of the spouses being the driver behind the selection of us to work for them, and if the other spouse is not there, we tell them up front, hey, we we need at least a couple of meetings with your spouse so that that if something were to ever happen to you, we're not getting to know them. You know, in the moment of a very you know sensitive time, I get that. I, I want to hurry through this because I got to get. I want to get to these mistakes that we don't need to right, be making. Right. But here's the here's the thought for you: What happens? And, and if if I, the advisor, and I am almost seventy, and I have two partners that are much younger than I am, they're in their forties, and so reality is, when someone asks me, you know, what happens if you die unexpectedly? And of course, that's reality. 
who's the successor? Who takes over? Because all of a sudden you need to So, is there somebody in the firm that's going to be in position to continue the advice under the umbrella that I've been accustomed to? Great question to ask because you know, Drew mentioned our team. The team, uh, especially at Shoemaker Financial from an advisor standpoint, the, the team that Drew is a part of and the other resources that we have there is a critical component to providing a client with the overall experience that they to get advice. But not only do you need to know do they have a team around them, but do you have someone who is – uh, available for me to talk to on a one-on-one basis so should something happen Absolutely. to you. Maintaining no continuity. Yeah. yeah, the continued continuity. All right, some people struggle understanding what to, to do to achieve their financial dreams and goals. Well, knowing what not to do is as important as knowing what to do. Stay with me. Coming back, Drew Johnson's going to help us with attitude, approaches, actions, and omissions that can destroy results. That compound the damage of what you got when you're trying to put together an investment portfolio that will meet your needs. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. The last decade of the 19th century saw a wave of incorporations of towns within Shelby County, such as Madison Heights, Binghampton, and Idlewild. Memphis City officials saw this as a major public health issue, the horrific yellow fever epidemic in 1878 still being fresh on their minds. To prevent the recurrence of an epidemic, the city worked hard to improve garbage collection, install modern restrooms, replace wood with gravel in the roadways, and most importantly, build a modern sewer system. These changes were neither fast nor cheap, and many Memphians were very anxious over the thought of smaller towns being near Memphis that could not afford a proper level of sanitation control. After much political wrangling between the city and state legislature, an annexation measure was passed, making these communities part of the city of Memphis. The annexation put to rest the concerns over public health felt by those who had gone through the horror of the yellow fever epidemic 10 years earlier and doubled the size of the city. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation of purchase or sell security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, I told you earlier in the monologue that trade protectionism, risk or not, well, the reality is probably all the saber rattling between the U.S. and China will turn out to not be that big of a problem. We don't think so. At least we don't believe so. But you need to also just be cautious that you don't overreact. You don't listen, get caught up in what the news media is telling you. Don't get caught up in an attitude of, okay, I got to do this because everybody else is saying it. Well, reality is that's what this half of the program is about. Drew Johnson is going to continue his discussion with us. And one of the biggest things we do is we make mistakes that we shouldn't make, but because we do them, we do them because we just didn't know that we were making a mistake. Bottom line. So reality, Drew, 
What's that first thing that you see that when I talk about trade protectionism and it's on the news media and everybody says that the market's going to die because of it? I had a person ask me yesterday, what was my attitude about trade protectionism and all the things that were going on? Is a saber rattling for real? The reality is, as I said, I don't think so. But, hey, what do you tell people? Well, I mean, the number one thing that people do in investing that they really shouldn't do is following the herd, uh, doing what everybody else is doing, following the crowd. Uh, we all do this to some extent, and it's okay to do this in some areas if you're talking about uh, getting a car or getting a washing machine or a phone or, or that that sort of thing. Uh, but as we all know, especially with the, the last mentioned example of phones, is uh, what's hot today is likely to be cold tomorrow. I mean, these days I'm nervous to even buy a new phone because I know it's going to be out of date the, I'm the very the next I, day. The iPhone, iPhone 20. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. Exactly. Um you know, and, and so I mean, past performance is not an indication of future performance. Uh, typically, a herd, a real herd, uh, tends to gather uh, most of its strength right before it goes right off a cliff. And adopting a herd mentality with investments tends to go much the same way. And finding the right herd too. The today's world, you got well multiple herds. Which one do I get? To which yeah. media outlet that you Absolutely. listen to? You know that you decide that that's a problem. So what do you do? I mean, this is a key problem. When you when you, I think about people getting caught up, I can remember just go back ten years ago to two thousand eight, and this was a you know we were listening to the media during this particular time, and everybody was getting caught up. We have a tendency to do that. We get caught up in the the lather, you might say, of what the herd's doing, and we're saying be cautious that are you following the herds a problem what do you tell people drew first of all try not to get too tied into the news cycle where you're responding and reacting to everything that you're seeing on tv you're hearing on the radio or what people are telling you and then uh, secondly be disciplined and let me illustrate it this way i mean how, how many people out there still think about the spanish debt crisis or the greek debt crisis or any other thing that was a news story say 10 years ago for a certain time you don't think about it anymore how many of you think that that in, that is impacting your investments today you don't think about it like that what's going to happen over the next quarter is not going to destroy your goals for 25 or 30 years from so now. So you're talking about the discipline side there. I think that's exactly. critical. I know another thought that a lot of people that kind of ties into this is when they follow, they get emotional. Right. And so talk about that a little bit, because I think emotions, I mean, whether it's greed or fear, it's two big, huge emotions. Talk about that. Right. And I mean, now it's a little bit of both. And I mean, following the herd is kind of a, is a species of being an emotional investor because both are basically being passive uh, in a way being an emotional investor is letting someone else or something else do your thinking for you. Uh, with us today, it's really kind of a combination of greed and fear. Uh, one of the longest bull markets in history on the one hand, but on the other hand, post 2008, a lot of people are, are just very, very scared of volatility in, in the markets in a way that they really weren't before. Uh, and 2017 kind of spoiled us with this because it was an unusually low volatility uh, year. This year we got some of the volatility back uh, in the markets, and that makes people nervous and uh, makes them scared to stay in the market and stick with the plan that they have. You're talking about the volatility, and I appreciate that saying. You said scared or frightening, but the real danger is not 
that. The real right. danger is being too afraid to put money into the market because the volatility may be there. If you don't put the money to, at, at risk, right. say, you lose the opportunity cost of debt for permanently. You just right. You lose, lose your out. buying. You, yeah. you, you lose your buying power. I mean, not not doing something is doing something yeah. with, with with investing. Uh, you, good. Staying staying out of the market is is still making an active decision that so has a real impact. So what do you tell people? What do you tell people? Try to put the volatility out of your mind. Uh, unless unless you need that that money to spend today, it doesn't matter what it does in the market today because you're not planning to sell it today. What matters is what happens with the market a uh, year from now, ten years from now, whenever it is you're planning on using. Uh, that money to spend on whatever it is that your goal is, whether it's your retirement or buying a new house or whatever it may be. The, it, the volatility today is irrelevant to what you're trying to accomplish if you're, unless you need the money that, that particular day. Is that because when you think about that, and Jason, I'm asking you this question, is that because people need to understand their time horizon? He's talking about the long term, but reality, describe time horizons to us. Yeah, time horizon is the distance from today to when you are going to need to use this money. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and the obviously, the more time you have in the investment marketplace, the easier it is to predict what might happen. It's very hard to predict what's going to happen by the end of today. Uh, but uh, Drew mentioned earlier, following the rules, there's some basic fundamentals that are time-tested, that have proven themselves to be accurate time and time again. And one of those time-tested principles is to the longer time horizon you have, the easier it is to make decisions about what's happening right now. You know, I saw an interesting thing. You you guys were talking about emotion and fear and how all that will play into your time horizon. If I've got a 20-year time horizon, what happens today, as Drew said, 10 years, I'm not going to think about that in 10 years. And I I saw a, a, a picture we, as even today's consumer, will understand that the 90s, kind of remember the 90s as being a, a remarkable bull market run. You know, the the Internet and all that stuff was taken off. And I saw a picture of a, of a headline, a morning paper from a major city in the United States. It had red arrows pointed down and people on the floor grabbing their hair. Uh, and then the stock market's going to crash. The same newspaper did their evening edition. That day was the largest day, and many people reacted to that morning newspaper and sold and got out. And really being able to look at your time horizon, how far down the road you're going is helpful to to your that investment That is so program. critical, whether it's short-term or long-term. If it's short-term time horizon, you invest differently than if it's a long-term time Absolutely. horizon. Absolutely. So when we come back, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, I want to find out what we talk, what we mean when we say diversification and rebalancing, guys, because I know that's one of those things that you have to think about. So I've got Jason Harrington and Jeff J- Drew Johnson in here. The reality is we're trying to walk through some issues that some mistakes that you don't want to make. Well, one of them was don't follow the herd. And I get it because we have a tendency to want to do what everybody else is doing. What iPhone do you have? I need to have that. Well, you don't do your investment portfolio that way. You stay and follow the rules. You're disciplined and you don't be an emotional investor. You want to find out what diversification rebalance means when we come back. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. 
now. Here's your Mid-South weather forecast from the News Channel 3 Severe Weather Center and Todd Demers, right here on KWAM The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990. Partly to mostly cloudy skies with temperatures back in the mid-90s this afternoon. A heat index near 105, prompting a heat advisory for the Mid-South. Slight chance for showers this evening, mid-70s overnight, back into the low and mid-90s over the next several days. Let Air and Heat Services help you get the most out of your air conditioning system. Don't sweat it. Call 662-838-8088. Make sure your family's cool this summer. I'm News Channel 3's Todd Demers on The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. We're in the final stages of a program that I hope you found to be interesting. I appreciate you listening because we've been talking about some fundamentals of picking an advisor, knowing the questions to ask an advisor. You know, some people just you know, feel like that's an intimidating thing to do. We're trying to kind of simplify it because, you know, most of us, and I, I say this to everybody listening, getting financial advice should be an easy part of anybody's life, and anybody should be able to ask anybody about how do I manage money, how to do because you just it's just a standard thing. If, you know, if you're going to say, uh, I need to know a little bit more about this because I don't understand it, well, find somebody that you can ask, that you can build a relationship with. Just give us a call at Shoemaker Financial if you've got a question. Uh, anybody, this is not just a person who happens to be in this income bracket. Or, we're here to help people understand the best way to manage their financial lives, and that's important for you to understand that. So, uh, let me get this, guys. Let me help you. This, uh, Drew, when we talk about uh, the term diversification, that's really your job in the office is to put together a big, huge conglomerate of fun stuff, management stuff, that uh, we can diversify a person's portfolio according to their need. Okay? Tell right. me about that. Yeah, well, I mean, we help them to manage their risk by allocating the, their portfolio in the investments that will most cohere with their uh, tolerance for volatility, with their long-term or short-term goals, uh, and so forth. Uh, if you have a, a relatively low-risk client or a client with a low tolerance for volatility, probably not going to put them in all stocks. It's just probably not going to be suitable for, for that client. Uh, and that having maintaining that volatility uh, cap, so to speak, helping them manage that volatility uh, in turn can help them not to panic uh, when the market goes south or when there's a problem. It helps them stick to their own plan. But diversification is a critical part to any portfolio. But of course, I, I guess we need to make sure understand that when we talk about diversification or we talk about allocation, stocks, bonds, and cash, both of those are just strategies. That's all they are. They don't guarantee against loss, and they're not methods that says, okay, if you do allocation, you're going to get this kind of return. They just simply are management tools we use to manage risk. Right. They're, they're just risk management tools. They do not guarantee returns. Right. But now let me think about that. Uh, here I am trying to put together a portfolio. I am 30 years old. My allocation portfolio is not going to look like a person who happens to be 60 years old. That's right. It, it, the, the time horizon is going to have a lot to do with that. A person that 
has a long way off before they need to realize their goal, can probably stand to take on quite a bit more risk than a person who maybe doesn't have that much time. You know, when I talk to Drew, Jason, I know that I can get into the weeds with Drew real quick, and he can take me down so far that I won't know where I'm at. Yeah, you know same. So he knows Absolutely. how to. He's very smart, very, very capable, and does a great job. But we tell people to keep things simple because right. if they don't understand it, it's it's a real problem. So one of these attitudes that I think so many people need to understand is build a portfolio, you know, that we can keep simple and not make it so compli- complex that they don't understand it. Right. I mean, many times if you have a whole lot of choices, you don't have any choices. That's good. Uh, and your your mind just can't comprehend that many decisions. So one of the benefits to having someone like Drew or working with an advisor is that their job is to go out into the marketplace and uh, decipher what all is going on out there and bring to the client a simple solution or a less complicated solution uh, to hitting their goals. Many clients need some time with their advisor just to understand what their what a portfolio looks like what's in it why are you doing the things that you're doing and uh, so education is a big part of it to kind of keep things when, simple when you talk about knowing what to do knowing how your portfolio works that's what you're talking about i mean you're really saying you mean, mean i need to ask and that's something that the advisor should tell me and i shouldn't have to struggle with that and shouldn't have to, to go okay i guess i don't i really don't understand it so uh, i guess that's okay absolutely i mean it, one of the the best ways for a client to manage a long-term investment strategy is to set the expectations of this is how your portfolio is going to respond in in certain conditions and and when the when the market is doing what it's doing and your portfolio is responding to that that's what it's supposed to do well that's critical i think you guys have done a good job of explaining that i think the closing statement that i want people to understand we've gone through don't follow the herd that's that's very critical don't get emotional understand allocation and you know, understand diversification. It's not a guarantee. It's just a tool to manage risk. But reality is stick to a strategy. Stick to a plan. Don't get caught up in what the neighbor down the street's doing or somebody in Sunday school's doing. Stick to a strategy. And that's a kind of a mental mindset that we need to help people understand. Right. Have, uh, having a set discipline where you're you're selling some of your winners and buying some of your losers in order to maintain that diversification through your portfolio, that keeps you in the driver's seat. That puts you following your plan, not someone else's plan. And a, a good strategy is going to help you avoid some of the things that we've already talked about. A, a strategy or a plan is going to keep you from following the herd because you're not going to follow the herd. You're going to follow your plan. Well, we've talked about everything from mistakes that you should not make to avoid them. That's how you reach your financial dreams and goals. We've talked about literally questions to ask. Don't be uncomfortable asking an advisor questions. How do you get paid? That's a great question. What happens if you're not, you don't show up? Is there somebody else in there that can work with me? And bottom line, who's on your team? How much experience do you have? Those are great questions. And of course, why do you need an advisor? Well, you may have a life-changing event event such as retirement or death or marriage or whatever it is that's why you seek an advisor thanks for being a day part of today's program i appreciate you listening it's always good to have you guys here thanks guys absolutely we have fun thank you for having me and i appreciate you being a part i'm jim shoemaker of course uh, thanks for being a part of our program and listening this is talk money
Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Jason Harrington, and Drew Johnson are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. 